Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. When it comes to truth and reconciliation, there is still so much to be learned. Today's guest, together with his band, Upside of Maybe, have created a new song called Rainmaker. This song features a Christian indigenous group and has a strong message of truth and reconciliation. The storyline of this song has been based on the history of the residential schools here in Canada. Today on Connections, we're going to hear about that song. We're going to hear about the Christian Indigenous group that was invited to participate in that song. And we're also going to hear about the band Upside of Maybe. That's all here today on Connections. We're joined today by Michael Bannerman. He is a singer in the band Upside of Maybe. So, uh, Michael, yeah, you've got a great new project, and we're going to talk about that this morning and uh, zero in on the new single that you've got coming out right away here. But first, people are like, Michael Bannerman, I think I know that name. You used to be in a classic Canadian Christian rock band. Tell us about it. Oh, yes. Lost Coin. It it seems like so, so, so far, so long ago. Um, and, uh, but such great memories of that. We, uh, we traveled across the country a number of times and, uh, yeah, just, uh, I, I don't even know where to start with it. We, I, we went for almost, uh, about 20 years with that group and, uh, which is long in the life of a band and, uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And not only like great success here in Canada, but when you toured, you got to play with some great bands too, like classics, like Jars of Clay, Audio Adrenaline, Reliant K. What was that like? It was awesome. In fact, we still laugh. We had um, one of the bands that opened for us once was this little group called Switchfoot. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one one of those things where you sometimes later go, oh my goodness. And we, I mean, they were amazing at the time. Um, And you met, yeah, I just met some really great guys. The guys from Audio Adrenaline were amazing. I remember the first time we met them they were doing sound actually at the festival that we were playing at and uh they were the backstage people and you know we're this little band from canada it was down in the states and and uh, we're unloading the gear and they're carrying our drums for us and they're just <laughs> treating, treating us like royalty and i remember our guitar player at the time saying to the one guy going oh are you in a band and the guy's like oh yeah yeah no we're trying to you know and, and it wasn't until they went on stage later where we realized that the guy he was talking to was actually the, the guitarist from Audio A. So anyway, <laughs> it were, it, you just, yeah, salt of the earth folks. It was really good. What would, you cool. say, what would you say is the best memory from that time of your career? Well, you know what's funny? It's, I mean, you do some really neat shows. And, and I think uh, we opened for Jars of Clay in uh, Wisconsin, uh, Apple, Appleton, Wisconsin. And we had a, a song on the radio at the time. And it was that moment, there was about 2,000 people in the, in the crowd. And it was one of those moments where we stopped playing and everybody sang the words to the song. And it, that was just, um, for us, that was a really neat moment. I remember having goosebumps and just not wanting to, to start again. So that you have some moments like that that are great, but it's funny, the stuff that you remember later, and I think it's really important, is it's the relationships. It's, it's uh, the nights that the band breaks down in Quebec and you watch the hockey game with a room full of people who aren't even speaking English. And... Uh, <laughs> And, um, you know, somebody else who drives two hours because you forgot a, an instrument somewhere and they want to make sure you get it before the next show. And, and uh, you know, or, or the, the guy who fixes your vehicle. We had a lot of van breakdowns. Uh, <laughs> the guy who, you know, fixes your vehicle for you or, or some, some no-name person who, you know, fills it up with gas while you're doing your show, right? And, and there was just, um, there's a lot of those moments where we were just put up at somebody's house and you just met these wonderful, wonderful people who um yeah just blessed you and that those were those are what you remember later it's not so much i we've had thousands of of concerts and they all blend into each other after a while but it it really is it's the relationships and the people you meet along the way so 
Yeah. You've got a brand new band now, uh, Upside of Maybe, or it's your latest project at least. Tell us about Upside of Maybe, how it came about and when. Yeah, so it's funny. Upside of Maybe, there's so three of us are, are from the Lost Coin days, and uh, we have a, a new guitar player and um, a, a new uh, a ba- bassist as well. Uh, the original band, we actually combined with um, Glenn Teeple from, uh, if you even go further back, uh, oh, I'm having a brain fart, what the name of his band was. But uh, yeah, so we, he came on and our band kind of mixed with his. And our approach was a little bit different. We, um, we didn't, we've had a few people that were kind of saw us as a band that moved away from kind of Christian circles. And that's not it. We're all, our faith is all quite strong. Uh, but, but we took a different approach to music. I, I think we just kind of got a little bit tired of the, the Christian music scene for lack of a better word. And, and, uh, so, um, our, our writing and our approach still, our faith is very much part of that. We still very much have a Christian worldview in what we're doing. Um, but it was a little bit of just kind of wanting to get out of, of, of playing the churches and the Christian music festivals for a little bit and, and kind of, uh, take a different approach to, um, to the, to the people we were playing to, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to ask, I was part of what I was wondering as you're speaking, like reaching new people in different ways kind of thing. Yeah, and, and I think also recognizing when we look at it, we very much do still see what we do as a ministry. Um, but again, recognizing that I think where we felt we were most uh, effective was in those relationships. So again, it's it's the the people that we're meeting now and the people that we're building relationships now with uh, we're kind of asking ourselves, okay, so what sort of impact are we having when we go to a festival? How do we treat our um, uh, the, the roadies or the people who come on and do sound and, and the people that own the clubs and the, the different places that we're playing in? So it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit rougher scene, I would say. Uh, and we definitely stick out probably like a sore thumb sometimes. But uh, um, yeah, it's also really exciting for us and it's fresh and it's, it's something just a little bit different and something we definitely feel called to. So I think that was uh, really important for us. So. Now in a, a very in the very near future, you're going to be releasing um, a new project called All Who Wander. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's a little bit eclectic, and it's a it's a few songs that we kind of had been working on. It's going to be part of a larger project, but it's kind of some songs that we'd had sitting around um, that we had wanted to uh, to put out and record. And COVID came along, and we were just like, well, we're we're not we're certainly not out playing right now, so it's a good time to work on some of them. Um, and, and Rainmaker was certainly one of those ones that we just really wanted to get done, but we knew it was going to take some time in the studio and meeting the right people and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot of collaborations on it. There was the Rainmaker, which we did with Okama. Uh, there's a song in there called Mr. Sad Eyes, and we did that with a brass group down in New Orleans. Um, we didn't travel there, obviously. We had originally had tickets all planned to go, and then... Uh, a studio all booked and then um, COVID broke out. So that got canceled, but we kind of did it over Skype and worked out well. Uh, we've got some blues stuff on there. It, it is, it's kind of a, a large thing. And then we have this little pop song um, that for some reason is, is starting to climb the country music charts, <laughs> which we were a little surprised about, but anyways, it's uh, we'll take it. So, yeah. You mentioned uh, the new single Rainmaker with Okama. First of all, tell us about uh, that music group for people that aren't familiar with them. So they are this absolutely phenomenal indigenous worship band, a lot of family members in it. And uh, it's Gerard Roberts and his wife, Peta, are, are kind of the um, the main uh, duo, I guess, behind it. Uh, and, and just the most talented people. They they You name it, they do it. They dance, they play wood flute, throat singing. Uh, chanting and, and uh, Peta is she's she's this um, 
quiet, uh, small lady that you just, and then she opens her mouth and it's just huge. <laughs> She's got this great big voice that just uh, is so powerful and, and just uh, so much raw emotion in what they do. It's, it's quite beautiful, uh, both visually and, uh, and just, yeah, so talented. Yeah. Speaking of powerful as well, Rainmaker, we've had the opportunity to get a sneak peek of that video and hear this song and wow, it's powerful. Yeah, it's it's an interesting song. And and again, the way it came about, uh, so I had taken a course, um, I work in mental health. And so I decided to take a course on kind of the Indigenous mental health was so how to better serve Indigenous people as they come through uh, the mental health system. And uh, as I was taking this course, a lot of it based on was based on uh, the residential school system and, and uh, the Indian hospitals is what they were called at the time. Um, and, and the impact that that had had on individuals. Um, and also generations of individuals, how that had affected family after family. And it, as I was taking this course, I was really struggling with a, a whole mixture of emotions. The, like on one hand, there's this, this part of you that is kind of listening to this and going, um, you know, why, why are people mad at me? I didn't do it, right? I didn't start this hospital. I didn't, I didn't um, uh, open these schools. You know, it's kind of that, I'm sure we've had those conversations with God sometimes, you know, I didn't eat that apple. <laughs> why, why is it my fault? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but as I also went through, I also really saw the impact in the way that it had hurt and damaged so many people and so many generations. And I really kind of came to terms with the, the idea of kind of a generational sin idea that, um, yeah, maybe I specifically didn't go out and do it myself, but certainly my generation, my, my um, culture, my society, my forefathers have. And, and so it's kind of taking some ownership of that kind of sin of our father's idea. And I remember I was, I was reading um, Psalms, uh, oh, 30, Psalms 32. Um, and, and it kind of opens with, actually, I can, let me, I think I have it here somewhere. Yeah, it opens with, uh, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit, in, who, in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me; my strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover my uh, cover my iniquity. I said, "I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin." And so, when we sat down, I really wanted to write something about it. And as, as a musician, I was kind of say, thinking, "What part of this story is mine to own?" As as a Caucasian white guy who you know with all my white privilege and everything else what what part of this is mine to own and it really was the the recognizing that I had to take ownership of um the truth of, of kind of what had been done uh, my transgressions and so the song really is it's, it's a psalms of, of a mission it's a songs of a psalm of guilt of, of seeking forgiveness um for for actions so that was kind of the, the perspective that I came at it from. And I, I kind of tried to put myself in the perspective of writing from, you know, if I was a priest that had been involved in these schools, looking back at it years later, and that's kind of the storyline that we kind of went with in the video. Um, but when it was done, I also really, really um, was hearing all this kind of indigenous music and, and things that I wanted to put into it. And again, that's not something that I'm going to be able to just go and do authentically. Uh, so we were in the studio, we were starting to record it, and I was talking to Andy Horrocks, who was our, our producer and working with us. I said, this is really where I want to go with it, what I'd love to do if I just knew, you know, some people that could help with that. And he said, oh, you got to meet these Okama folks. I just finished doing some worship uh, albums for them. 
And so he kind of connected me with Gerard and I kind of explained my vision with him and, and said, what do you think? And, and he said, oh, this is great. Let's work together on it. And, and so they really brought that kind of indigenous uh, coloring to the, to the song as well and, and uh, culturally. And, and it meant a lot to me too, because I think it, it helped me validate the perspective I was coming from. It was really important that we weren't, it's such a sensitive topic. We didn't want to be offensive. We wanted to treat it with, um, uh, yeah, we just we just wanted to be uh, authentic in our approach and, and make sure that we were being respectful in, in it as well. Um, what, are, what are the biggest things you've learned about reconciliation then and maybe some uh, insight you have on how we as Christians can better approach reconciliation in the country? Uh, you know, it's tough. I think I think it comes down to authentic, authenticity. What I've kind of learned is I'm, I don't I need to to just admit, hey, this is what I do know. This is what I don't. Um, informing ourselves, I think, is important to actually do the research to really understand where where um, where the hurt and the pain and the the damage comes from and and why. Um, I think education is is so important as a starting point for us. So, and then to just make it a conversation um, and to realize not everybody's going to uh, embrace it exactly the same way. In that video, we really struggled. There's a scene right near the end of it where the priest is aged and the child is aged and he returns and they embrace. And that embrace uh, for a few people, and I, I played the video for a few different um, groups to get some feedback when we were done with it. And that embrace is, is, it's interesting. Some people break out in tears and say, that's exactly what I needed to see. That's what I wanted to hear. That was the reconciliation part. Um, others really uh, struggled with that. And, and I think, so I think part of what I learned is not, not everybody's in the same place, which makes sense. We're, we're like that all the time ourselves, right? Um, we're not always ready for reconciliation when it comes, or we're not always ready for forgiveness. Uh, we're not always asking for it. So it, it's uh, realizing that people are at different stages in that journey and uh, to be sensitive to that. Um, but it starts, it starts really with educating ourselves in a conversation. Just, just, um, asking yourselves, what do I actually know about this? And, and what, what part do I play in it? Um, what was it like working with the group Okama? Uh, it's funny. I, it's, um, they're, I, I absolutely have fallen in love with, I want them to adopt me into their family. They're absolutely <laughs> a great couple and, and they're very quiet. They're, it reminds me of that saying, walk quietly and carry a big stick. Uh, Gerard is like, he's this, I, he, I swear in my mind, I have him as seven feet tall, but he's not a guy you'd want to meet in a dark alley. <laughs> he's, he's a big guy, but he is so quiet and so soft-spoken and so such a beautiful person. And uh, so working with him, um, I would kind of float out these ideas and I'm a talker. I would go on forever and here's my idea and here's my vision and here's my, and he'd, at the end of it, he'd just go look at me and be quiet for me and then just go, ah, cool beans. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Um, so I, I like it. Yeah, it's, uh, but musically, they were great. Like I, some of those things, uh, they would lay down three or four takes. And it wasn't really a matter of getting it right. It was listening to it and going, wow, they're all great. Which one do we want to go with? Because they all went in different directions. But, um, and I, through that, I've really also really learned to appreciate Indigenous music. Uh, I've really got into uh, Buffy St. Marie, her Power in the Blood album, and, and a few other um, there's a raw, really raw, emotional, spiritual thing about Indigenous music, and it, it uh, it's so beautiful, and it, it's just, it's something that uh, there's so, so much good music out there, and yet I think the general population isn't, isn't really aware of it at all, and, and listening to it at all, so it's, uh, hopefully it also brings more attention to 
just the style and, and the, um, the indigenous uh, music as well. So, For those who want to learn more about Upside of Maybe um, and this upcoming project, All Who Wander, how do they go about doing that? Um, so we do have our website, upsideofmaybe.com, or probably the best thing, we're on Facebook a lot. If you join our Facebook page, we'll, we'll chat it up and ask you questions and new music and everything's on there as well. Um, the video will be released. I, I think actually we're going to bump it up a little bit because it's, it's starting to get out anyway. So, um, but probably by, by Monday of next week, it'll be available on the Facebook site and, uh, and posted around so you can grab that there. And then, yeah, our, the EP should be up by Tuesday. I think uh, it should be on iTunes by then. So um, definitely just connect. Those are probably the easiest ways on Facebook or uh, on, uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite hip enough to be doing TikTok or that sort of stuff yet. <laughs> I, I'm Neither trying to get my kids talked into showing me how to do that, but. Uh. <laughs> uh, right on, Michael. I just like the Facebook page. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for uh, this new project. It's really amazing. Oh, thank you. We're we're so excited too to have you guys picking it up and playing it, and uh, it's it's neat because it isn't it isn't really your traditional sort of again uh, Christian song uh, per se, but uh, again I think the message of forgiveness and uh, reconciliation is is one that certainly uh, lines up with a with a faith worldview. So yeah, thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can do that by visiting podcastfield.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. We'll talk to you again on Connections.